I greet you in Jesus' name and invite you to keep your Bibles open if, or open them again to John um, chapter 16, actually 14, and then we'll be looking also at John 16. Recently, uh, as I was reading, I read that the spirit is the spirit of truth is come and he will guide you into all truth. And this inspired me to uh, do a study on the work of the Holy Spirit and who he is and so on. So I'll say at the beginning, I'm not finished with my study and neither will this be an exhaustive uh, message this morning on the Holy Spirit. But I've entitled the message, How Real is the Person of the Holy Spirit in Your Life? I'm thankful this morning for the presence of the divine Holy Spirit here with us today. You could say that in different ways. You could say, I'm thankful for God's presence today. And that would be another correct way to say it. But I'm particularly grateful this morning for the presence of God's Holy Spirit with us. So I have a few questions for us to think about. Is the Holy Spirit guiding your life? Where does the will of God fit in your life? Do you ask God for guidance? Or maybe you don't give it much thought. Maybe you just get up in the morning and get on with life. As long as you get what you want, you're moving on. So again, is the Holy Spirit guiding your life? And if he's not, who is? So I'd like to read uh, also, like along with what Floyd just read, turn to John 16, verse 7, where Jesus says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So I'd like to begin. Uh, okay, I'm just going to be sharing some things from my study uh, that have been meaningful to me. So here in verse 7, I think we'll just begin here, where Jesus said is, it's expedient, or it's actually better for us if he goes away and that the comforter comes. And then I looked at the word comforter, and the Greek word for comforter is about seven words, but the one that stood out to me is that he's our helper. So the Holy Spirit is our helper. That's, I think, a strong indication that we're in need of help. Because Jesus was here, and now he's leaving, 
saying that he will send a helper. The Amplified uses the phrase to be in close fellowship with. Okay, so Jesus is leaving, but he's going to send someone that we can fellowship with. And throughout the message, I might be asking questions like, do you fellowship with the spirit that's within you? So, do you ever feel like you need help to navigate through this life? I think you'll I think you identify with this when I say that life is a serious business. Life is serious. It's in this lifetime that our eternal destination is decided. And it just struck me kind of in a new way when Floyd got up and said, I'll be turning 70. That isn't a new thought. But life is short. And it's serious. It's serious business. Because in this lifetime, we determine or decide our eternal destiny. And with that thought, I thought of Psalm 1, where it says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Now, verse 13, here in John 16, says it like this. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So here we just want to notice that the comforter is the spirit of truth. Now the enemy of God, do you know what Jesus called him? The father of lies. So, I think there's two ways we can go. There's two forces, or there's two uh, entities or things. He refers to the comforter as the spirit of truth. But the enemy of God is called the father of lies, and that's in John 8, 44. 
And we know that the father of lies tricked Eve with a lie concerning God's authority over that one tree in the middle of the garden. Does God really mean what he says is often how the father of lies comes to us. And I believe Satan is still challenging God's authority today. So now, who's this spirit of truth? In John 15, verse 26, we see that this spirit of truth proceeds from the Father. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. So this Holy Spirit that we're talking about is or proceeds from the Father. And John 16, verse 7, we see that he was sent by Christ Jesus. Okay? So, um, as I studied about the Holy Spirit, you know, is he a person? Just what is he? How do you describe what he is? And I found, uh, I found comfort in the truth that he is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. He's in, uh, I think, one place I saw where he is the personage of the Spirit. Okay, so like Jesus was in the flesh, he was still God. And the Holy Spirit uh, is God. And how can we say that? Well, if we had uh, more time, we would look at each one of these references, and I might pick out a few of them, but Hebrews 9.14 refers to him as eternal. Ephesians 4.30 refers to him as holy. Psalm 139 refers to the Holy Spirit as omnipresent. Luke says he's omnipotent. That means all-powerful. In 1 Corinthians 2.10, we see that the Holy Spirit is all-knowing. He's omniscient. And we cannot say this about anyone or anything else other than God. Okay, so I'm just bringing that out to to emphasize that the Holy Spirit is God. So I'm thankful for the Holy Spirit's divine presence today. It's not any less, or it's not wrong to say God is present with us. Now, there's something else that uh, I want to share that kind of helped me understand the Trinity. So it's God, it's Jesus, it's God the Father, it's Jesus the Savior, and it's the Holy Spirit, our helper. So we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So 
where is the Father, and where is the Son, and where is the Holy Ghost? According to Scripture, Matthew 6, 9, and you can check this, God is our Father who is set apart. He's holy, and he's in heaven. The Father is in heaven. Jesus is our Savior who finished his assignment, the work of the cross, here on earth. And the last that we saw anything of him, he was going up. So he's, Jesus is our Savior who finished his assignment and is now, and Luke tells us, that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. But where is the Holy Spirit? Well, the Holy Spirit, so far we learned that he's our helper. And that he's active here on earth. So, I just kind of felt like I was getting a picture of this trinity. And I think it's correct to see God the Father overall in heaven. Scripture tells us that he's holy and he's in heaven. And Jesus is our Savior who finished his assignment here on earth and said, I'm leaving and I will be sending the Holy Spirit. And according to Luke twenty-two sixty-nine, which I thought I would read that, Jesus' words, Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. So where is God our Father? In heaven. Where is Jesus our Savior? In heaven. Where is the Holy Spirit? Jesus said he would send him. So that... Um, inspired me to do more study. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He's a person. He has a personality. He's a thinking, acting, feeling person. The personage of the Spirit of God. He works with God the Father and God the Son to affect our lives according to the will of the Father. He's our helper. He's not mystical. He's very real. He's God in you. We can know him. We can talk to him. We can thank him. According to John 16, 13, he speaks to us. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. And he wants to guide us. Does life ever seem a little overwhelming? Or do we ever find ourselves at crossroads or T-roads 
deciding which way to go. We have a helper. We have one that wants to guide us. The Holy Spirit, I believe, knows us better than we know ourselves. Isn't that a reason for us to trust his guidance? He knows us better than we know ourselves. He's tuned in to our emotional state and our surrounding circumstances. He's sensitive to both and he leads at the perfect pace. He always takes our weaknesses and our strengths into consideration. I find him to be so loving and so patient and so kind and so wise. And yet firm at times. But if you've experienced this, it makes trusting him easier, does it not? Now, being led by the Holy Spirit calls for relationship. And I think that's maybe one of the bottom lines of this message and the challenge that it was to me. If we want to walk in the right way, if we want God's blessing, like it says in, like the psalmist says in Psalm 1, if we want his blessing, we need to be in tune with God the Holy Spirit in our life. Being led by the Holy Spirit calls for a relationship and fellowship. It calls for cooperation it calls for sensitivity and a common goal. And the Spirit promises to guide us and help us. Well, then I found some other things that, that I thought were very noteworthy. Ephesians 4.30 admonishes us to not grieve the Holy Spirit. He can be offended, he can be vexed, and he can be saddened. I believe we grieve the Holy Spirit when we know that something is wrong, but then we do it anyway. I think that's a grief to the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says that we shouldn't quench the spirit. We shouldn't suppress him or extinguish him or put him off till later. So back to the question this morning, who is guiding your life? Who is leading you? Is it the Holy Spirit or is it yourself? Is it the Holy Spirit or is it the father of lies. 
Jesus tells us in Matthew 6.24 that we cannot serve two masters, for either we will follow the leading of the Spirit or the desires of our flesh. And then I go to Galatians 5.16 through 26. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. So maybe this is making more sense now or more of a challenge for us when we realize that this spirit is within us. It's God. This I say then, walk in the spirit, fellowship with him, ask him for guidance. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit. Our flesh is against the Spirit of God. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law, but I believe it's saying not under the law, but under grace. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And then it lists the flesh. The fleshly deeds are adultery and fornication, uncleanness and lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations. I believe that's jealousy. Wrath, strife seditions, which would be divisions, and heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, and we'll look at that in just a bit. So the question that I was challenged with that I want us to ask ourselves is who is guiding our life? Is it the Spirit of God within us, the Holy Spirit, or is it our flesh? We can't have it both ways. Now I'd like to it feels like I might have shared this here once before, but I'd like to address that every sinful act is committed two times. First in our head, and then in our behavior. And I think Jesus addresses that in the New Testament, where even the thought is sin. But every sinful act is committed two times, first in our head, then in our behavior. To win the behavior battle, we must first win the battle in our mind. The battle begins with the untruth in our minds. And I'd like to encourage us to be serious about guarding our minds, guarding the untruth being influenced by untruth, which often comes through the worldly um, 
unregenerated media is what we are thinking about is it true very important that we guard our minds and fill our minds with things that are true and honorable and right and pure and admirable excellent praiseworthy are we filling our minds with that or does our flesh want us to go on vacation and just do whatever seems like the flesh wants? So a question I would have that we ask ourselves, what really gets our attention? What are we giving our attention to? And It seems to me that if we're going to guard our minds from the untruth, we're going to want to fill it with the truth. So the focus of our attention determines our direction. The world of entertainment and amusement, I believe, is a tool of the devil to just get our minds off of spiritual things. To walk in the spirit is to get into the battle of our mind or the battle of our attention. Where is our attention? So to walk in the Spirit, I believe we have to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. True things. And for me, I found daily Bible reading and filling my mind with things that are true. is walking with the Spirit. So how well are you staying in touch with your guide? How well do you know the Holy Spirit? Is it a once a week thing? Is it a daily thing? Is it all the time being aware of the Spirit of God within you? Another question then I had for myself was, how much do I desire God's presence? The Bible, there are some things that I believe we all desire that we can only have if we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. So how much do you desire the Holy Spirit in your life? One of those things is the joy unspeakable, I think, is only with the Holy Spirit in your life. I think we can only have a peace that passes understanding if we have the Holy Spirit in our life. I think we can only have power to live above sin if we have the Holy Spirit in our life. So how much do, do you desire the Holy Spirit in your life? How much do you desire that joy and that peace and that power? I don't think the flesh is too concerned about that. 
but we need to pay attention to fellowshipping and walking with the Spirit of God in our life. Well, to whom does God give the Holy Spirit? And I found this an interesting study. Four points, four scriptures. Luke says that to them who ask. So have you asked for the Holy Spirit's presence in your life? Luke says, 11.13, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Acts 2.32 says, And we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God has given to them that obey him. Acts 2.38 says that he gives it to those that repent. And John 7.38, to those that believe on him. Have you been asking? Are you obeying? Are you repenting? Are you believing? And if you are, you have the promise of the Spirit of God, His presence, His joy, His peace, and His power over sin. And then we have the scripture here in John 15, or is it 16? where it talks about the work of the Holy Spirit. And it says that when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin. He'll judge in the matters of sin. And he convicts men of the sin of unbelief. And he also, when he comes, he will convict men that Jesus is the righteousness of God. He points us to Jesus and the sacrifice that Jesus made. And he also convicts us that the power of Satan has been broken. I think we see that in verses John 16, 9, 10, and 11. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. So that's the work of the Holy Spirit in this world, in this time. So now I have a few other points that I thought were very um, interesting and helped me understand who the, who the Holy Spirit is and what we benefit. John 14, 26 says that the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And I have nine points of things that he teaches us. He teaches us about the love of God. 
Romans 5, 5 says, The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given to us. He communicates joy to us. Romans 14, 17 says that Paul, here Paul teaches that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And to walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit and to experience forgiveness of sins and reconciliation to our Father in heaven. All this is cause for great joy. So the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father, and he communicates joy to us. He teaches us about hope. In Romans fifteen thirteen. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. He prays for us. The Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Promises to dwell in us and with us forever. We saw that in John 14. He gives us assurance of salvation. Romans 8.16, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. He empowers the believer to be a witness. Acts 1.8, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And the last one that I found here is that he invites sinners. Revelation twenty-two seventeen says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And him that is athirst, Come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. And I particularly noticed that the Spirit and the Bride say come. So who's the Bride? Is it us? Is it the church? Sometimes, sometimes I may have found myself praying that the Spirit would convict someone. And I'm not saying that's a wrong prayer. But what caught my attention here is, and the Spirit... And the bride say, come. I believe God's spirit within us empowers us to witness. And we, when we do that, we cooperate with the spirit. Well, then, I'm about to conclude for my study, for my message today. But there's so many more things that could be looked at and that I want to look at more. So I'll make a few comments and then read a scripture. The Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost to remain with the church until it is complete. 
and presented to the Lord Jesus at his coming. So that's the promise we have, that God, Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, is within us. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he wants to complete the church and present us to the Lord Jesus at his coming. So how real is the person of the Holy Spirit in your life? When you go into your closet and pray, I know for myself there was maybe a time in my Christian life where I was looking beyond the ceiling and trying to reach the Father or God. But this study has helped me go into the closet and talk to him. He's in us. He's with us. He wants to guide us. We can have fellowship with him. We get up in the morning and he wants to guide our day. He wants to help us. He's our helper. So that's the challenge. Are we allowing the Holy Spirit to be our guide? I'd like to read yet, uh, and you can turn with me to Revelation 22. And I'll begin reading at verse 12 and then read to the end. Revelation 22. Verse 12, and behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and warmongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the, the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. I invite you to kneel with me in prayer. <clears throat>